Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 9, please. Joshua chapter 9, as we continue in our series going through the book of Joshua. Uh, Israel had uh, crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground. Jericho, the walls had tumbling down in Ai. Although they were faced in arrogance and pride, they had a second chance and were able to defeat Ai. Now we come to Joshua chapter 9. What Jericho was not able to do with walls, what Ai couldn't do with weapons, Gibeon is going to do with deceit and trickery. The devil's going to get you or try to get you one way or the other. Maybe it's not with walls. Maybe it's not with the weapons. But if he can get you with trickery and deceit, absolutely. You know, his, his goal is the same as it was in the Garden of Eden, which is to dethrone God and dominate man. And if he can, if he can destroy your testimony as a believer, or if you've been visiting and you're not saved, he's going to kill the message in your heart because he wants to deceive you just as much as he did in the Garden of Eden, Eden when he deceived Eve. So he, his goal is still to dominate, dethrone God, and dominate man. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. Now, Ephesians is the New Testament counterpart to the book of Joshua. Just like James is a New Testament counterpart to the book of Proverbs. Uh, Joshua, of course, we, as we talked before, this is a battleground, not a playground. Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Ephesians 6, the wiles, to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles, what is the wiles? Uh, trickery, deception, cunning, schemes. If you go to, as we speak of Satan, his relentlessness, you need to know your enemy. He's not a pitchfork, forktail, evil person. He's evil. He is an evil person. He is an angel of light. He may come in any form of many forms. He is the accuser of the saints. He stands before the throne of God just as much as he did in the day of Job and accuses you before God. He accuses the saints. He is the great deceiver, as it tells us also there in Revelation chapter 12. And he is a liar. And he's the father of lies. As Jesus spoke, was speaking there to the Pharisees. Think, think of it this way. When you tell a lie, who's your father? Because, see, he's the father of lies. He's the father of liars. You need to know your enemy. You need to realize when, when this, these type of things come into your heart and your mind, to realize where is that coming from? 
Well, he's seeking to do the same thing he's always done, to dethrone God and dominate man. And, he, and he's going to use his wiles, his schemes, his cunning, his craftiness as best he can to do that. Let's now, now look down in Joshua chapter 9. I'm going to restart reading there in uh, verse 1 and 2. This is the alliance that takes place. Verse 1 and 2, Joshua chapter 9. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, that would be the west side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland and all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, heard about it. They gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. This was the, this was the alliance as they came together uh, in the, the, against Joshua. Uh, these are the kings, they, were, they had been gathered together to fight. Now, these were city-states. Uh, city-states that are their own little kingdom. And so they would often war against each other. But now they have a common enemy. And this common enemy, of course, is Israel. And so they're uniting to come against them, uh, to fight them. Uh, this, was, this is what we call, uh, this part of the conquering of Canaan is the central uh, plan or the central warfare that takes place. There's a northern campaign and a southern campaign. This is the central campaign. These cities were in line coming from Jericho to Ai. These cities were in that line. And so they knew that they were next. And so knowing what they were next, uh, they came together. Now, Ai had given them hope because they had heard about that battle, the first one. How they had been, they had routed and defeated Israel. Uh, they also heard about the second one, but AIs defeat them the first time. They gave them hope, and so they, they came together. They, didn't, they intended not to go down with a fight. They were going to see it through. Beware, or be aware, blessings and battle can occur at the same time. They say, what are you talking about? Go back to chapter 8, verse 30 to 35. What was Israel doing? They just finished the battle with Ai. They defeated them, and they had gathered to do what? Build an altar and worship. This is happening while Israel is worshiping. The city-states are gathering to talk war and battle. Sometimes, not always, but many times, when we're on that spiritual high, that's when the devil gets his most tricky, his most deceitful. Because we're up here not thinking about down here. We're up here thinking about the playground and not and have forgotten about the battleground. We're up here looking at how great things are and forget about the time that be not deceived of the wiles of the devil. He is the father of lies, he's an angel of light, he's the accuser, he's the deceiver. So even though blessings are abundantly around us, battle can occur at the same time. So be aware of these things. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 11. What, what I'm going to do is um, I'm taking you through each section here, and then I want to make an application as we look at those. So First Peter chapter 5. If you turn over there, verses 8 to 11. He, this is Peter uh, challenging the believers as he writes to them. He says, be sober, be, be vigilant, 
Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. In the military, they have these different levels called DEFCON. This is the defense readiness conditions. DEFCON. Defense readiness conditions. Uh, For instance, uh, uh, North Korea is rattling its saber. Uh, so South Korea is probably DEFCON 4, DEFCON 5. They have, it's from level 1 to 5. Uh, the United States is always at one of those levels. This is their defense readiness conditions. We, as believers, must be at DEFCON 5. We must, and again, you don't have to do this in your own strength. You don't have to have this this. Uh, inner strength of this, this uh, physical ability. This, this is, you, each of us has a Spirit of God that dwells within us. And it's through the Spirit of God that, that gives us that energy, that power to help us to overcome. That's why on a daily basis we are to be filled, on a daily basis we are to be under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit ought to be evident in our lives because we are under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. We are, and, and even though things may be going great, we need to be at DEFCON 5. Don't let down your guard. Why is it so many times, for use this as an illustration, uh, particularly men that are in the ministry, as they get in their latter years of the ministry, they fail, or there's moral failure, or there's some other type of failure. Why is that? Because they're riding on the laurels of their past, and they've let down their guard. They've gone to DEFCON zero. Satan may have that impact upon you if you don't keep your defenses up. And be aware, be aware Blessings and battle can occur at the same time. Be sober means to be, that's moral decisiveness, self-control. That's one of the gifts of being filled with the Spirit. Be vigilant, that's high alert. Be watchful, don't be careless. Resist, stand your ground. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Steve Green, uh, a Christian um, musician, uh, he traveled with the Gaither uh, group for several years uh, in, as he began his ministry. And as, if you've ever been to a Gaither concert, they like to perform in the round, which uh, provides some special challenges for the riggers who hang the speakers and the, and the things from the rafters. And uh, Steve Green got to know some of them and got to talk to them. Anyway, this is the, what he relates about that. The fellows I talked to weren't bothered by the sight of looking down 100 feet, says Green. What they didn't like, because they had to walk on these 4-inch wide rafters to be able to get up that high. What they didn't like, they said, were jobs in buildings that had false ceilings. Acoustical tile slung just a couple of feet below the rafters. They were still high in the air, and if they slipped, their weight would smash right through the flimsy tile. But their minds seem to play tricks on them, lulling them into carelessness. Satan's business is not so much in scaring us to death as persuading us that the danger of a spiritual fall is minimal. No wonder Peter advised us to resist him 
standing firm in the faith. See, you may be walking on the rafters and you see on this false ceiling, they go, oh, if I fall, it's only a couple feet. No, you need to be a DEFCON 5. Because even though you may be walking in blessings, there's a battle still going on. Now go to chapter 9, verse 3 through 13. Beginning verse 3. Part of these city-states, one of them was Gibeon. Uh, We find out later that they were a a conglomerate of different cities. Uh, Gibeon may may have been the chief city, but anyway. Gibeon, when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily, they worked craftily, sneaking, they were deceitful, they were tricksters, and they went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves and all the bread of of the provisions uh, was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country, now therefore make a covenant with us. It was only 27 miles from where they were to get to Gilgal. And uh, so they had this plan. We're going to, you know, we're going to look emaciated. <laughs> we look like we haven't eaten for a long time. We're going to come dragging in with ragged clothes. Our wine skins are going to be cracked. We're going to have moldy bread. Let's get all that stuff together and let's make this trip. And so they came. Then verse 7. Then a man of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps, perhaps, they, they question, perhaps you dwell among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, we are your servants. Okay? They never answered the question. They changed the subject. Listen, when Satan sees, seeks to deceive you, he's not going to answer the question. He's going to change the subject. He wants to redirect your attention. Then in verse, verse 9, So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God, for we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. They're going to redirect, he's going to redirect your attention, and then he's going to appeal to your pride. We've heard of your God. We've heard of how you defeated the cities on the other side of Jordan. Notice they did not say Ai or, or Jericho. If you read through the account there, they never mentioned Ai or Jericho. They just said, we heard about the battles on the other side, and we've come to make a peace with you. We want peace. And all he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at, who was at Ashtoreth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, take provisions with you for the enemy, or for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, we are your servants, now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took, took hot for our provisions from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins which we filled were new, and see, they are torn. And these are garments, and our sandals have become old because of this very, very long journey. They chose trickery. They chose craftiness. Their dialogue was misdirected. It appealed to our ego, our pride, beware, beware of flattery. What is flattery? 
It's insincere, excessive praise to further one's interests. Beware of flattery. One of the ways that Satan will seek to trick you, deceive you, is through flattery. It may come through uh, a person. It may come through your own thoughts. But seek to flatter you. It's insincere. It's to misdirect your attention. You're at DEFCON 5, remember? Don't go to DEFCON 0. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 28. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it. A flattering tongue works ruin. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5. He who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. I'm just saying beware. Beware of flattery. In Job chapter 32, verse 21 and 22, he says, Let me not show partiality to any man, nor let me flatter with my lips, for I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would come to take me away. I don't know how to flatter. Can you imagine not knowing how to flatter? It was so much not a part of his life, he didn't even know how to do it. And he was very much aware that he didn't want God's judgment or blessings taken away from him. So beware of flattery. The deception is a calculated choice. This was a calculated choice. So beware of flattery. Now to go verse 14. 14 and 15. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Now verse 14 is the key. That's the whole key to the whole chapter. You can circle that verse. You can underline that verse. That's the key to the whole chapter. Even if you don't get anything else out of the chapter, you need to underline and understand verse 14. They did not seek counsel of the Lord. Isn't that so like us? Even today? We, well, everything looked good. They had all the right answers. And after all, they told me how good I was. I don't, I don't really need to seek the Lord in this, do I? So verse 14 is key. They, didn't, they did not seek counsel of the Lord. By the way, it's, it's not that hard. What, what they had at that time, the high priest had a vestment. Now on that vest there was 12 stones. Each stone represented a tribe of Israel. But inside that vestment there was a pocket. The Urim and Thummim. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but it's Urim and Thummim. They were either uh, sticks or two stones. They, one was white, one was black, or they made them half black, half white. But the point was, if they wanted a yes or no answer, was this God's will to go to battle, was this God's will to whatever it may do, the priest would take them and toss them down. And if it was black, it meant no. If it came up white, it meant yes. Boy, it'd be nice if I had one of those vests. Okay? If you read the Old Testament... It went out of use as time passed. Uh, As the kings came to rule and God raised up prophets, you don't hear that much about it anymore. But at this time, that's all they had to do. Now, today we have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God indwells us. We have the peace of God that implants and settles in our mind. We have circumstances we have godly people and friends that we can, see, we can search out and ask us to 
the right questions to help us search these things. Is this God's will? But in their day, all they had to go to was the priest. They did not seek the counsel of the Lord. Verse 15. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Beware of making decisions based on superficial evidence. Beware. Beware of making decisions on superficial evidence. In late September 1864, Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest, he was leading his troops from north from Decatur, Alabama, toward Nashville. This is a great story. Just listen. But to make it to Nashville, Forrest would have to, to defeat the Union Army at Athens, Alabama. When the Union commander, Colonel Wallace Campbell, refused to surrender, Forrest asked for a personal meeting and took Campbell on an inspection of his troops. Each time they left a, a detachment, the Confederate soldiers simply packed up and moved to another position, artillery and all. Forrest and Campbell would then arrive at the new encampment and continue to tally up the impressive number of Confederate soldiers and weaponry. By the time they returned to the fort, Campbell was convinced he couldn't win and he surrendered unconditionally. Hey, beware of making decisions on superficial evidence. Everything is not the way it seems. And do not neglect the counsel of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on to your, not onto your own understanding. On all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You lean in his promises he will lead. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. To walk in prayerful dependence, for we walk by faith and not by sight. James chapter 1, verse 5. That liberal portion of wisdom, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom... And, and this verse has no conditions. <laughs> it doesn't say, well, if you are attending church, or if you are, it says, it says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. You ask, and he will give to you liberally. Lord, listen, if, we, if there's ever a day in DEFCON 5 that we needed wisdom on our daily walk through this battlefield, it's today. Wisdom in parenting. Wisdom in work. Wisdom in relationships. Wisdom in through decisions. Wisdom in pastoring. We need wisdom. And he says he'll give it to us liberally. Hand your, hold your cup out and let him start filling it up. This whole aspect of liberally is that it's overflowing. It just, that, that tap is never turned off. If you lack wisdom. A liberal portion of wisdom. The blunder, living by sight. Now to go to verse 16 and 17. The discovery. And it came to happen on the end of the three days that they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities in the third day, now, their cities were Gibeon, Shepherah, Beroth, and Kirjath Jerem. Three days, 27 miles, they found the cities, one of several cities. The discovery beware, deception will always be uncovered. Eventually, listen, you can, be, you can deceive someone, 
this falls into that category of what's more man sold, that shall I also reap. Eventually, deception will be uncovered. It may not be tomorrow, it may not be today, it may not be the next day, but eventually deception will be uncovered. And by the time it's uncovered, sometimes it's too late. Because you are at DEFCON 0 when you should have been at DEFCON 5. Deception will always be uncovered. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. Sin is the greatest detective in the world. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. It will expose you. What's done in the dark will be brought to the light. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19b. Truth is to stand all tests. Lies will be uncovered and exposed. Truthful lips will be established forever. But a lying tongue is only for a moment. I read someplace where, you know, we make this 30-second decision. And we have 30 years of misery. Take the long look. See, your decisions don't just affect you. It affects many people. Many individuals. No one sins in a vacuum. Deception will always be uncovered. This uh, article appeared in a magazine. The title of it was this. A marathoner loses by a mustache. Remember, we're talking about deception will be uncovered. A marathoner, I can't even pronounce his name, but he was from Algeria. They were running a marathon in Spain. And they noticed that when the marathoner finished, he didn't have a mustache. But when he started the race, he did have a mustache. It just so happened the trainer that he had, his training coach, looked almost exactly like him. He ran the first half of the race, got off the course, changed the number, which was 62, and the regular runner put on the 62, and he finished the race. And, of course, he won. Well, in checking the records, they realized that it was two men that ran the race. One of them didn't have a mustache. So the headline, Marathoner Loses by a Mustache. Listen, deception will be uncovered. You could be in a marathon. It will be uncovered. Now verse 18. The decision. Lives spared, but freedom lost. But the children of Israel did not attack them, because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel, and all the congregation complained against the rulers. You know, the people complained against the leadership. Uh, they didn't want another AI. You can understand their, their, their thoughts on this. They didn't want another AI. They didn't want another uh, judgment of the Lord. Uh, verse 19. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel, now therefore we may not touch them. Uh, the leaders made no excuses. Yeah, but, you know, you saw what we saw. It didn't make any excuses. It said, listen, we've made a covenant with them in the Lord's name. We've, we've sworn by the Lord's name this promise to them of peace. Joshua rebuked them for dishonesty. When he talked to the Gibeonites, this, this we will do to them. We, sh- we will tell them, we will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. 
And the ruler said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised, before, promised them. Uh, this, was the, this was the lowest task. This was the menial work to be the water carriers and woodcutters, not only for the congregation, but for the uh, altar, the, the service at the tabernacle. This was, a, this was a humongous task. By the way, that peace was in place even, I believe, when Christ came into power. That peace was broken about 400 years later by Saul. And God did judge Israel with three years of famine until they discovered why that was caused was because they had broke their, their word with Gibeon. Uh, something else is interesting. There's, never, there's no record that any Gibeonite ever went over to the enemy. They also not only kept their word with Gibeonites, but the Gibeonites kept their word in, in their service, and, and basically they were slaves. Verse 23. Now therefore you are cursed. None of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters, and water carriers for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before him, before you, therefore we were very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. Now, and now, here we are in your hands. Do with us as it seems good and right to us, to do to us. So he did to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill him. And, they, and, they, and that day Joshua made them woodcutters, water carriers of the congregation for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose even to this day. They saved their lives, but they lost their freedom. They were put in the service of the tabernacle. Last application. Be advised. Two wrongs don't make a right. It was wrong for them to make a covenant. And now the congregation said, well, listen, we need to go ahead and wipe them out anyway. It was wrong to break their word. I did wrong the first time, and then I'm going to do wrong the second time to make it right. No, two wrongs never make a right. We have this thing in our mind, especially if it was wrong the first time, well, we'll break our word. No, two wrongs don't make a way. It never has been that way. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse, or 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Therefore, now he's, in the context, he's talking here to the believers at Corinth about being a stumbling block. He says, therefore... Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Honor, to focus on him for his name's sake. Christian liberty, as well as common everyday behavior, is to glorify God. What is your goal? Who are you trying to honor? Who are you trying to call attention to? Who are you trying to focus upon? To glorify God. Colossians 2, 23 and 24. These are great verses. And whether you, in whatever you do, do it heartily. In other words, you give your whole being to it. You don't hold anything back. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the, the rec, uh, reward of the inheritance. And here's the key phrase, for you serve the Lord Christ. Listen, you could be a teenager, you could be a child in your home. You know what? You serve the Lord Christ. You may be the employer or the employee. You serve the Lord Christ. You may be a male or female, you may be old or young. You serve the Lord Christ. 
If we keep those, those things in perspective of to glorify him and understanding who I really serve, for the rest of the lives the Gibeonites had to serve as woodcutters and water carriers. And even, as someone pointed out, that curse was turned into a blessing because they got to see every day the offerings that were taking place at the tabernacle. They got to see the interaction between the Israelites and Jehovah God with the sacrificial system. They were exposed to Judaism. Even a curse can be turned into blessing. Be advised. Two wrongs don't make a right. Who are you glorifying? Who are you living for? What are you living for? Chapter 9. In league with the enemy. Who are you in league with? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for your incredible blessings upon us. We thank you for the scriptures and the truth of them. We pray, Lord, that as you take the word again, as you apply it, uh, that you will help each of us to truly be a DEFCON 5. That whether we are in the beginning years, middle years, later years, Lord, I pray that each day we will glorify you, that each day we will serve you and keep in perspective why we're here and what we're here for. Help us not to be deceived, to be tricked, even in our greatest victories. If you're here this morning and the head's bowed and not, no one looking around, please, if you're here this morning and this has not been a salvation message, but you're here and you say, Pastor Ken, I need to get saved. I need to be saved. I need to have someone show me from the Word of God how to be saved. Is there anyone like that? We'll talk to you privately. I would not embarrass you, call you out. I'll talk to you after the service. Is anyone? Secondly, you say, Pastor Ken, just pray for me. I'm a DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 2 when I need to be at 5. Is anyone like that? Yes. Any others? Father, I pray that you will heighten our spiritual antenna, that we will not be in league with the enemy. But we, even though it may be subtle, it may be deceptive, that we'll be recognizing that which so easily would deceive us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.